Welcome back to Healing for the Soul podcast. It's with this being season number four, episode number 11. Kind of got thrown off with everything that I do, and that's okay because I'm all about helping people succeed, which is a good thing because not very many people want you to succeed in life. So I noticed, I'm going to quick switch this website there. Got that fixed. So while I'm on my podcast here, I'm reminded of a story of this one woman that I had met. She's 16 years old to be exact, 20 years ago. Well, you may be wondering why would I care about a woman from 20 years ago um, when she was 16? Because in this story that I'm about to tell you, there's a lot of insight that can change your life. You may be wondering how you can learn anything from a 16 year old. Uh, then what most 16 year olds today are not the same as they are um, or were back in the 90s, back in the 2000s, the early 2000s. So the 16 year old girl that I had met, like I said, 20 years ago, she had been sexually abused. She had been verbally abused, emotionally abused. Um, she had just been adopted by the exact same person who did all of that to her starting around age six, um, had this happen. And when this happened to her, you know, where the same county, Douglas County, Alexandria, in Alexandria, Minnesota is where the story begins, is that when she was with this person who turned out later to have all of these horrible things that have happened to her, um, she still had her birth mom, obviously, but her birth mom had married the person that was a stepdad and the stepdad became the adopted dad at 14 for this woman. And when she was 14, she had that adoption happen by the same person, like I said, who had sexually abused her, um, verbally abused, emotionally abused, mentally abused her, did, did all the abuses except for physical abuse. And when she had all this happen, again, she was young when this all started. She reported it to social services. She reported it to the police station. She even reported it to the school. She reported it to everyone who was supposed to have helped her. But instead, they never took her out of the home. They never did anything to help her. And the sad thing is, is that most people think that this person grew up to be what most people would think, is that this person would turn out to be an alcoholic, a drug addict, or somebody who's the complete opposite of what you'd see out in the world as success. If anything, she was doomed to fail from the start. Because you see her parents chose to divorce when she was three years old back in 1989 and when her parents decided to divorce it was because they simply gave up on each other they simply didn't know how to handle what marriage is like most people don't and that's fine the reason why i'm giving you this background on this girl that i met 20 years ago is because some of these things are vital to know that she dealt with child protection as a child she had them in her life at time to time 
and nobody did anything. Nobody caught anything that was going on in the home. And in fact, when that same county, again, Douglas County Social Services out of Alexandria, Minnesota, failed to protect her as a child, starting at early age of six years old, back in 1992. The amazing thing is that when, at 16 years old, when she had her brain injury, because she was told by the person, again, the adopted dad in the situation, that if she were to go tell anyone that she had just been raped the night before and she would, and that he would make her mom and her sister's accident look like a death, and then her life would be next. She didn't tell anybody. Instead, she knew that if she went and told the social worker at the school, and if she went and told the cops and the social services at the actual ser social services office, again, in Alexandria, Minnesota, she knew deep down inside from all of the repeated history of nothing ever being done about it, that it would just turn out the same way. Nobody would do anything about it until she decided to take matters into her own hand. And at 16 years old, I don't know about you, but I know a lot of 16 year olds that think that they got it all together. They think they know everything and turns out they really don't. But at this time, she needed to do something because she wasn't willing to have this happen again because she wanted to save herself for her future husband and her future kids. That's what her plan was. She had a brain injury. And in fact, it was the top of the head on the right side to the right ear where her helmet cracked, her bicycle helmet cracked because she wasn't allowed to use her vehicle to go to this um, ex-boyfriend's house at the time to go finish a fight like she told her parents. When she did that, she ended up with this brain injury, like I said, and she did not know who her own mom was. She only knew who her sister was and that her mom had had her sister be a C-section. And in fact, when she was at the hospital, the hospital had the CT scan was broke that night. So they weren't able to do anything except say, well, this is what it was. And of course, her urine came back positive for narcotics simply because she had just gotten her wisdom teeth removed surgically. In fact, she had four of them removed surgically because they were side impacted. And what this has to do with everything is that in an instant, she lost everything she knew. She lost her friends. She lost her 4.0 grade average her 4.0 GPA grade, grade average that she had. She lost that. She went from the A student down to Fs and Ds and type of students we don't really want to talk about because that was never her. And in this story that I'm telling you, she didn't know how she was going to get out of it. She didn't know what was going to take place. She didn't know what life was going to be like. And then she started having more of these spiritual connections that she didn't realize that when she was a child, that when she could hear voices and she could sense different things in the world around her, she didn't realize the whole time that she's actually a gifted person, like these spiritual gifts actually existed. And instead she was told 
it was this or it was that. It was different things in the world. And when these things happened to her, she didn't realize how strong she was. And so when this brain injury happened, what ended up happening is that she didn't realize her own power. And nobody does. Like the doctors told her that she wouldn't get better, that she needed medication. So they gave her any and all medications you can think of from um, not just Ampramine when she was younger with depression, but they also gave her things like Risperdal. They gave her lithium. They gave her Depakote, Depakote ER2. They also gave her other medications in the, in the psychotic family of um, psychotropic medications that would include Abilify, Zoloft, Risperdal. Again, I said that already. But they gave her all these medications, and she kept telling them, what are these going to do to me long-term? What are the long-term side effects of these medications? They didn't listen. Mental health didn't care. She did the traditional talk therapy, talk about the abuse that happened in the home, talk about how things were, you know, you're just not making sense. And eventually what ended up happening to the 16-year-old girl when she turned 17, she ended up being put into a group home. And before she got put into that group home at 17, um, it was 18 when she got put into the group home. 17, what happened was is that mental health had her so drugged that her own sister would call her droopy drooly, wouldn't even help her eat in school because she couldn't eat anymore because she was drooling so much. She wasn't able to function and they had her so medicated that she did try to take her own life three different times because she just wanted out of this pain, out of the suffering, because all of this emotional trauma that started at 16 years of, or it started at six years of age, she decided to take and do something about it because nobody else in authority was doing anything at 16 for her. So when she was going through all these mental health medications, they put her into a behavioral health hospital at, well, in Brainerd, Minnesota is where they did. They put her in there. She's supposed to have been transferred from the unit that was for the people that are mentally ill, that are severely mentally ill. There's a big difference between mentally ill people that can be in society and those that can't. Huge difference. We need to bring those places back. And in this, she's supposed to have been transferred from the behavioral health hospital for mentally ill people to the brain injury unit. The county never did anything. Of course, why would they? And instead, they limited her time of talking to her mom to 10 minutes. And in this story, I'm what I'm getting at is that she had all these things that had happened prior to this event. Nobody was helping her. She didn't have anybody to turn to. And at that time, she also decided that, well, nobody cared about her. So why would God care about her? I mean, God put her in this place. Why wasn't God listening to her prayers? Why wasn't God there when she was praying at night, asking God for a grand champion Appaloosa horse in her window? Every night she'd go put that horse up in the window and she would keep praying and asking God for somebody strong to come and save her, a knight in shining armor to help rescue her every night when she'd cry herself to sleep. 
wondering who was going to help save her. And in this story, she realized as she got older, when she was 16, that nobody was going to come save her. Nobody was going to do anything for her. She had to do it herself. And when she did, yeah, she got a brain injury out of it. She got all these medications from mental health. They decided to help her at that point. And at that point, she was beyond the help that they could have done for her. Because you see, medication only treats the symptoms. It never treated the actual problem. The problem of the sexual abuse. It never treated the problem of the verbal and mental and emotional abuse. It never treated any of that. Medication doesn't treat that. Medication can't. Talk therapy does not treat that. And so when she was 17, she was in that, um, most people refer to it as a nut house. Um, if they're not so nice, they refer to it as that. But when she was in this behavioral health hospital, she realized that there was one person there, one person. Her name was Marianne, this beautiful woman, this beautiful angel who helped her see that God didn't put her in this place for nothing. She was there because she needed to change. And it wasn't the medications. It wasn't these other things. She just needed to have help that she wasn't getting, that she wasn't receiving from traditional medication, from traditional talk therapy, where you talk about the problem. And then she went on from going into that uh, behavioral health hospital to 18 years old, being actually celebrating her 18th birthday in a group home in Elbow Lake, Minnesota. When she celebrated her 18th birthday there, the social worker called and told her that she was going to have to go to court and they were going to have to keep her there for a year, at least another year. And she's like, nope, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing a year. She talked to her psychiatrist. Long story short on that, what ended up happening is she went into court. She Social services said, hey, we can avoid court if you just take and agree to doing the full night, you know, instead of doing the full year we'll agree to do in nine months if we can avoid court that's what kim Svee in alexandria minnesota told her douglas county social services said you know what we'll avoid court just do the nine months you won't have to do a year because the judge could give you a year and she's like no i'm gonna fight i'm gonna keep fighting and her mother even said just take the nine months you don't know what you're gonna get i mean the judge could keep you in that group home for a whole other year and she said nope I'm going in. I'm going to fight. I'm going to do this. She went in. She walked out proud. She only got nine months. And it was the judge that decided, not somebody else. She didn't listen to her mother. She didn't listen to the county. She decided that she was going to fight for her right because nobody else prior decided to fight for her. Because like I said, every night she would pray while she's crying herself to sleep that somebody would come help her. That's why she wanted that horse because a horse is big and strong. They're intuitive. They know how to do things when they're trained right. That's what she was looking for. That person never came to save her. So in this experience, she went back to God because of Marianne. And when this had happened, she realized her strength, 
she realized how things were for her, that she had the power within herself to start changing different things. But she didn't get that realization until after that exact same county that put her into these places until she realized that not only did Douglas County Social Services in Alexandria, Minnesota cause a lot of damage that didn't need to have happen because of their failure to protect this child. Starting at six, they failed to protect her. It was her getting paid by the exact same county to take care of her sister's children, her niece and nephew. She was an unlicensed daycare provider for them. And all the while she had this brain injury, she knew that she had these different issues. She knew she had to take these medications because the doctors told her she had to take them for life. They kept saying she was non-med compliant. They kept saying all these different things that she wasn't going to get any better. She just needed to accept she was going to be on disability. She just needed to accept that this was her life of medication and having to do talk therapy, staying on disability, that there wasn't anything out there for her, that she was never going to get better. And so when the 16-year-old, in time, you hear just this part of what she's gone through, and you're probably thinking right now, why does any of this matter with a 16-year-old? Because you see the 16-year-old, if she would have known 20 years later that she would have an amazing life, that she wanted to end because of social services in Alexandria, Minnesota, if she would have known that when she had her brain injury, the only reason why she wanted to stay alive when she had her brain injury, the only reasons she prayed and asked God right before her lights went out, but right before her um, brain injury, she stayed alive. She wanted to stay alive for her mom, her sister, her future husband, and her kids. It's all she wanted to stay alive for because she didn't even value herself enough to say, I want to stay alive for me. I want to stay alive for, for myself. I want to be alive for the future that I, that I may have coming to me because she didn't value herself. She valued, she valued everyone else around her. She valued knowing that she would have a future husband and future kids. And so then what happened is that 20 years later, she didn't realize that on this day, June 8, 2022, that she would be here telling you this story to give you hope to say, you know what? There's a reason why she keeps saying every day. There's a reason why she keeps saying that she's been through more than most people go through in one lifetime. It's not just because it's true. It's because when you wake up in the morning and you're waking up with depression, you're waking up with anxiety, you're waking up with poor me excuses. That's really what it is because you see, she has a brain injury. There's actual damage in her brain. And yet she gets back up and fights again. She overcame 
the problem of not being able to stay organized, and yet that's the number one compliment she gets in her office, is how organized she is. She also gets complimented and inspires other people to realize that you can do anything you put your mind to. It's how bad do you want it? She's been working her business for almost four years, barely holding on some months, just praying and asking God. And she's on the pray, please God, please God method of bringing in the money, of being able to bring things in to help other people. And yet she can't figure out why things aren't happening for her. She didn't even value herself the whole time because when that innocence was taken, that innocence was stolen. And when she realized and when other people are saying, well, you need to stay alive. You need to do more. Don't focus on your kids as your reason why you're doing things in your business. You don't need to focus on your kids. But her kids are the very reason, is the very asset in her life, along with her husband, that she prayed and asked God for before her lights went out when she had a brain injury at 16. See, there's this thing that Steve Jobs had said before. You can't connect the dots going forward. You can only connect them going backwards. And the funny thing is, is that all these different times, she could have easily ended it all. Starting at 16, she could have easily ended it all. But she stayed alive for her mom, future husband, and her kids and her sister. That's why she wanted to stay alive. It wasn't for herself, which is really sad when you think about it. It's really sad when you stop and think about it, that the exact same county that failed to help her decided to take her son, her first living son, July 16th, 2015. And they use that brain injury. They use that history of being in that group home. They use that history of being abused as a reason to say, hey, you know what? She's just going to hurt her child. You know, we don't need no proof because in Minnesota, it is you're guilty and you're just guilty. There is no innocence in Minnesota. And so when she left Minnesota because they wanted her to kill her 21-week gestation child who has now special needs, five years old, she couldn't do it. So she left, she left her home. She had a real stick built home, her first home, three bedrooms, she had that. She had good paying job. Her husband had a good paying job. I mean, they were doing really good. I mean, like they had $2,000 a month coming in extra after the bills were paid. She always had money, even when after her brain injury, she always had money coming in. In fact, she would even help her parents pay some of their bills when she was 14 when she first started working at KFC. She would do all of these things. She had money. She had all of this. She gave it up to be able to have the one child that she was pregnant with at the time, not knowing if God would give her more. She didn't know about what was going to happen. She just knew that she wasn't going to give that baby up and have that baby taken from her the way her first living son was taken from her without any court orders or proof. Because again, in Minnesota, you're just guilty. There is no innocence. You can't prove your innocence. 
So with all this stuff happening, the fact she's sitting here right now, 20 years later, she's looking back and I'm looking back. When I was 16, I went through a hell of a lot of things and I didn't even go on about my marriage part of it because we won't even go there. Been through a hell of a lot of things and I looked at my husband today and I said, you know what? What's the difference between his mom and dad and my mom and dad is they were too damn weak. They were too damn stupid. They gave up. The first sign of trouble in their marriage. Goodbye. Not like us. My husband and I, we've been through a hell of a lot of things in our marriage. Think of it. We probably, you can probably think we've already been through it. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that people, they don't realize their own power. They don't understand that they can create the reality. I don't like the create. I don't like the reality that I'm in today because I don't have the financial um, mansion that I that I know that I'm capable of. I don't have that. I don't have my two 15 passenger vans. I figured out. I'm like, I don't need one. I need two of them. I don't have that yet. However, I'm still taking action towards my goals. I'm still doing something towards my goal. And in fact, when a recent CPS thing came up in South Dakota here, even she realized that this was that test of, is she going to make it through? Is she going to keep working? Is she going to keep doing things? Because she knows she has to go get her son home. She knows that. She knows her son's already home. She knows that the one that was taken, she already knows that, but it had to come to this to empower herself to realize, you know what? whole time the only one she cared about really truly cared about was her future husband and her future kids because that husband has only known her with the brain injury and most people with brain injury believe it or not only have one to two children because that's all they can handle and she's on six children six two with disabilities but she's on child number six and the doctors again told her that she's supposed to die when this one arrives. And she's like, no, God's got it. The amazing thing is that we forget as humans how powerful we really are. We can create things beyond our wildest imaginations. You know, when I was a kid, when I was 16, like I said, we didn't have smartphones. We had flip phones. We didn't even have flip phones back then. When I was 16, we didn't have flip phones. We had bar phones. Ask anybody old enough over the age of 30, they will tell you straight out. We didn't have smartphones. We had dumb phones. You know what we did with our dumb phones? The only thing you could do. My friend, my cool friends had the Nokia um, bar phone. I got the Ericsson phone that was a black and white um, with a one inch screen. That was pretty awesome back when I was 16. Because the most you could do with it is call people. Yeah, that was pretty awesome because um, today's world, now you can do anything from your phone. It's like a little computer. And the funny thing is we don't think about the computer that's between our ears. If we focus on the computer between our ears, that can get us anything we want at any given time. And the reason why I decided to tell you all of this was because, you know what, I decided... I'm letting go of that shameful feeling that I've been carrying inside of me because 
all this shame that I've carried of the brain injury, of the people that told me, no, you have to do it my way or it doesn't work. That's why I hate a certain group of people in society because they're all, this is my way we're doing it or it's the highway, my way or the highway. You can't be wrong. You can't be right. Blah, 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 blah. Well, I don't like a certain group of people that exist in the world today because they are so damn mouthy. They don't know it all. And they're the ones that need the most help. And I can realize that because I remember what it was like to be insecure. I remember crying myself to sleep. In fact, about a week ago, I cried myself to sleep because I was thinking how hard it is to have a special needs child. One, the, the one anyway is more special than the other one. How hard it is. The society just thinks, oh, you can take and go put them in time out. You can do this. You can do that. It doesn't work. Certain things doesn't just doesn't work. I mean, you, you can do whatever you want. But the reality is, is that the child learns from the parent. The parent is always the leader of the child. So this morning when I woke up, I realized what my hypnotherapist has said to me the whole damn time. I am pretty fucking awesome. I really am. And I really am successful because I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody who could go through all these things, wondering how life was going to turn out. I don't know about you, but I don't know how many people could take and go through everything she went through. I mean, the same county that failed to protect her as a child from abuse, just goes and steals, kidnaps her first living son. And instead of taking and committing suicide like 95% of the moms do, she decided that she was going to take and find a way to help herself because nobody else was going to do it for her. Nobody else was going to take and say, hey, let's work on this. Let's work on the real problem. Instead, it was push medication. Push Zoloft. Push Abilify. And in fact, when she met her husband, um, when I met my husband, Jeffrey, um, I remember when I, when I first met him that I'm like, this is a sign from God that I needed him. You know what my sign was is that when we looked into each other's eyes, first time I ever told any guy I was ever committed to them. When I looked into him, I remember that moment because there was a sun that came into the window, shown in the window in Ballard there. And I remember that moment of this was the one person I needed. This was the person I had prayed for. This was the person that was going to help me become better than I thought was possible. And the same person, I also had to tell that I was never going to be able to have children. And that was the hardest thing I ever had to do. So I thought, and I realized doctors are not God. It was amazing when the doctors, when I went in for lap band removal, emergency surgery, um, back in 2014 or 2013, it was that this emergency surgery I needed to find out the problem why I couldn't keep food down was because I was pregnant. So you can imagine my surprise when back in 2008, the doctors told me I would never be able to have children medically. So I was 
you know, infertile. I wasn't supposed to have children. Medically, I was told I'd never have children. And then I realized the doctors aren't God. I realized they're human just like you. They don't know everything. And I don't like traditional talk therapy. I don't like it. A lot of people say it helps them. Okay, but if it helped you, I really want you to stop and think about this. If it truly helped you, how many times have you had to go? How many years have you spent in that therapy? How did you feel after you had those sessions with that therapist? How did you take and champ or not change, but how did you transform your life? How was it better? Did they empower you to go out and take on the world and do more than you could do? Did they take and say, hey, you know what? You can do anything you put your mind to. Did they do any of that for you? Because they sure the hell didn't do that for me. The traditional talk therapy, you know what they told me the whole damn time? Even when I was going through my stuff with, with Miracle um, in Minnesota and in South Dakota, you know what they told me? This why I quit traditional talk shit is because when I came to South Dakota, the one therapist I seen, nothing more than a licensed social worker, by the way, for the mental health, she told me the dumbest thing I ever heard, that you can't make $50,000 a month. That's impossible. Really? Impossible for who? Impossible for you? Yeah, because your mindset. Yes, 100%. And I'm not sorry when I say this. Um, there's a hell of a lot of people in network marketing that I have met. I personally know four people, actually not four people, five people offhand that are multimillionaires in network marketing. You know why? Because they bust their ass like I do every day taking and making phone calls, talking to people, saying, hey, you want to learn about my business? Hey, I can help you succeed. You want to know what I have learned from those people that are multimillionaires? I've learned that they make the best leaders. You know why? Because the best leaders are the people like myself that have been through stuff, that are willing to be transparent with you, willing to say, you know what? I've been through a lot of stuff. I know how to help you. And today was my empowerment day of the 20 years of I'm letting go of this shame, guilt, all this shit that my parents said, here you go, Robin. Come into this world as this beautiful baby. Now I understand why the Bible says that we were born into sin, that we're born sinners. It's because our parents haven't got their shit together, and then they bring us into the world, and they expect us to have our shit together. They expect you not to. This is the dumbest thing ever, is that when parents expect their children to not have temper tantrums, then why are you yelling at your child? Why are you taking in not letting your child deep breathe? Why are you not doing those things with your child? Because your child picks up every emotion that you have. They pick up all your stresses. They pick up all that stuff. And they know when you're stressed about money. And in fact, um, a lot of things that I've been learning recently, when it comes to money, I'm like, you know what? We do focus too much on lack. See, I just mentioned all the things I have. Most people I know would kill to have the relationship that I have with Jeffrey. That's why uh, I don't have any relatives. Not even my own mom, not even my own sister. I don't got anybody who's like, I'm glad you married him. I've got nobody, in fact, that has said that they're glad that I married him. I don't have anybody that said that except for the two of us. The two of us wanted to get married. The two of us wanted to have kids because we were told by his therapist and his group of people don't have kids. And then I was told I would never medically have children. 
So it goes without saying that that's why when people have told me to this day that I need to stop having children, I just want to tell you all to sit and spin and kiss my white ass because I went through infertility. That is extremely painful. And in fact, it's even more painful knowing that eventually I won't be able to have any more children because physically I won't be able to have any more children. And that scares the shit out of me because it's like my children are my reason why I get out of bed in the morning. And it's not just to say it, just to say it because they're up. It's literally when I had that brain injury 20 years ago at 16, I only wanted to stay alive for my mom, my sister, my future husband, and my future kids. I never wanted to stay alive for me. And to me, that's pretty damn shitty that that's all I wanted to stay alive for was somebody else that I kept praying to save me, to get me out of where I was at. That person never came. And you know what? My husband still, yes, he works. Yes, he does things. But he can't get us out of the situation right now that we're in financially. I'm living with my mom. We don't get all these things going on. And I stop and I think it was never up to him. It was never up to the talk therapist bullcrap. It was never up to all these medications. It was never up to any of them. It was up to me to decide, you know what? Enough is enough is enough of the bullcrap. That's why I say the type of therapy that I do, the hypnotherapy, thank God that I did it. I'm so thankful to God that he brought me in hypnotherapy when he did. And there's a reason why I talk bad about talk therapy. Like I just said, there's a lot of stuff. I'm like, you don't realize how bad it is because you're so caught up into thinking, poor me. I haven't got this. I haven't got that. But a lot of people would kill to have the relationship I have with Jeffrey. A lot of people would kill to have the amount of children that I have because I have never to this day, I have never met a woman who was thrilled about murdering their unborn baby. I've never met a woman who was thrilled that they took and got sterilized so they couldn't have any more children. In fact, my mom, she stopped that there too. She got sterilized after that. And she still to this day is like, she would have had more. She wishes she would have had more. See, I learned from other women, their regrets. I don't want to be like every other woman who said there and regrets not having the life that she was capable of. My deathbed regrets, I already know what they are, and I'm taking care of them because you know what? I am not going to let my children see their mama on my deathbed. I'm not going to let them sit here and say, like what I've heard other people, I wish I would have done this for work. I wish I would have done a family. I wish I would have done what I wanted to do because I'm not going to have that deathbed regret. Uh-uh. Because I already know that my deathbed regret would be listening to too many of the people who are small-minded. And the small-minded people are the ones that tell you, you can't do something. The small-minded people, like that therapist said, oh, you can't make $50,000 a month. The hell if you can't. You can. You can do anything you put your mind to. You know what drives me in this business? Even though I'm on the please God, please God method, what drives me is knowing that if I keep going at my goal hard enough, strong enough, consistent enough. I know damn well I'm going to get the right people at the right time who are ready to say, Robin, you're the person to help me. All these other people couldn't help me. They didn't want to help me. They just wanted to take my money. And I'm not the type of person that's why I've had to turn people away 
because I'm like, if I can't seriously help you, I'm not going to, but I can tell you who else can help you. I will give you resources. I'm more than happy to do that. My thing is, is that I've been there. I've done that. I know what it's like to deal with these small minded people. In fact, I still deal with them quite a bit, which is why I might get the point. I'm, I am, I am of the people with the telling me to stop having kids sit and spin, kiss my white ass. I'm done. I don't want you in my life. You're not worthy of my time. You're not worthy of my energy. And um, I'm taking care of me. I'm not like everybody else on disability. I'm not like everybody else who's out there to take your money. I'm the person that's like, why aren't you coming in to change your life? I mean, like, to me, it makes sense. I just told you everything that I've gone through, not everything, a lot of things I've gone through. I just told you all this stuff because I was tired of carrying around the shame. I'm tired of carrying around the guilt of I made a mistake of my brain injury. That was my mistake I made. And I own that mistake. I own the mistake of being sexually abused, of having the mental or verbal abuse. I own those mistakes because you know what happens the second you own them? The body's like, oh, I can release that. I can let it go. In fact, earlier last week, not last week, it was this week, because today we're, we're only on Wednesday. It's been a long week already. Um, Monday this week, I decided I'm going to start writing on everything I did to get exactly what I wanted, not what small-minded people wanted. No, because they didn't want me to have kids. They didn't want me to marry Jeffrey, and they didn't want Jeffrey and I to be together. I wrote down everything I did when it came to having children and having Jeffrey. I wrote it down on paper. Did you want to know what I figured out about myself, what I did? I realized that that horse that I kept praying for, I kept praying for my knight in shining armor to come and save me that never showed up. Can't even show up now if his life depended on it. The funny thing was, I realized I made a decision and I stuck to that decision. I made a decision that I was going to marry Jeffrey and he was mine. I know he's not technically mine, but he's mine. Nobody's going to have him but me. And when he dies, I already know for a fact two minutes later, after he's for sure dead, not coming back, I already know that I'm dead. I already know that. That, that That's already a given because of how much I love him. The other thing was is that when we had our kids, they told me I couldn't have children. But the second my niece Sophia was born in 2008 after I was just told I couldn't have children. The second she grabbed my pinky, this one, I looked at her, grabbed my pinky, and I'm like, I am going to do whatever it takes to have a child. I did not care if I was going to lose my life because my doctors told me that that could happen. I didn't care. What I did care was that I wanted a baby. And I didn't care how I was going to get one. I was going to have a baby. I met my husband. I did do artificial insemination. That didn't even work um, for the clomid and all that. Tried to do all of that. Wasn't working. Met my husband in 2009. And still couldn't have children. Nothing came. Nothing at all. And then November in November 2013, got pregnant with our identical twins. And since then, it's been baby after baby after baby after baby for the last 10 years. I've been pregnant 10 years because you count all the times you breastfeed and then like the little bit that you're not breastfeeding, you end up pregnant again. But I've been counting that. 
And I am so thankful to God that he didn't have to give me this at any point. He could have easily said, no, we're done having children. He could have easily said at any point that my husband wasn't going to, you know, be with me. He could have decided at any time. And I'm not saying that Jeffrey didn't say he didn't want me because huh, we, we were down that road too. The problem was when he was pushing back, he didn't know that he was pushing. When he was pushing back for me to leave him, I knew the reason why he was pushing back for me to leave him. It had nothing to do with me. It had to do with everything with his parents. It had everything to do with his you know, parents sitting there saying, okay, we'll just leave you alone. Because he was abandoned by his parents too. And you know, the funny thing is, is that we don't realize our own strength, like I said, which is why I started out telling you this story about 20 years ago with a 16 year old. Because I didn't realize the amazing life that I would have now because of all that horrible stuff I went through. I had to go through it because it built my character and made me stronger than I ever thought was possible. Because when I was praying for that Appaloosa horse, be big and strong and could do whatever, we could do whatever we wanted to do, we would be so strong. The problem was, is that it was never about the horse. It's what I needed to find inside myself. And I finally realized that all I had to do when I wanted something was I had to make a decision. Quit listening to small-minded people because there's plenty of them. My God, there's plenty of them. Have you heard them bitch about the gas prices? Yep. They're bitching about it and they ain't doing shit about it. I've got a solution to help you with gas, but you know, you're not doing anything about it. Okay. The other thing I decided besides making that decision and quit listening to small-minded people, I also realized that I was still taking action towards my goal. There has never been a day in my life, except for on weekends or when I'm home with the kids, usually, I don't do anything business-wise. I don't. Because I'm training myself to say, you know what, when I have my fame that I know that I'm worthy of, that I'm capable of getting, that I'm working on achieving. When I become my famous hypnotherapist that I am, when I have it, people need to know on weekends, holidays, don't contact me because I'm with my family. The reason why I get my ass out of bed is for my kids. It's for my family. They're my motivator. I haven't been able to do it for myself. When I started um, the My Daily Choice, that was the only company, believe it or not, out of all my history of network marketing, I've been in Tupperware, I've been in Duff Chocolate, I've been in Pampered Chef, I am still in Discovery Choice. My whole why I started My Daily Choice was for me. That's the only thing I started for me. And that was because the amount of pain that I was in, in my back. I was in a lot of back pain. I went through with a back surgery I should have never had. But after that, a year later, got in trouble. It's no longer a doctor for. Enough said there. And I realized that with those decisions that I made, still taking action, still taking in, focusing on what I wanted, when I was working on having Jeffrey, when I was working on having children, I made the decisions that I also realized that act as if part in the law of attraction, the law of attraction, the act as if, and then feeling that experience of having it, I realized what that means. The experience is literally the story you are telling yourself. That is literally 
what hypnosis is. That's literally what meditation is. What story are you telling yourself? Because you can hypnotize yourself easy and effortlessly every day. In fact, you do every time you sit there and say you're stupid. Every time you say, well, that'll never happen. Every time you sit there and say, well, I can't do that because I've got this health problem. I couldn't sit here and say the same thing. I have a brain injury, so maybe I should just sit on that disability and not do anything, which I recently accepted. You know what? It doesn't matter if I never become famous. It doesn't matter if I never have money like I wish that I want. It doesn't matter because you know what I realized? The social supplemental income, the SSI, I realized what that is. That's my money that I get, the exact same amount my husband gets for his paycheck. That's my exact same dollar amount that I get for doing this business. This is my, this is not disability. This is my work ability to help other people. I am simply using this money to get me closer to my dreams. I'm simply using this as a platform to say, you know what? I can do more. I can achieve more. I am more. I'm capable of more. I can help more people. That's what it is. So I never needed that horse. I never needed my knight in shining armor because, again, neither one ever showed up. I don't own a horse, and my knight in shining armor never came. It came in the form of a dishwasher at Wheelin. Thank God that Wheelin has been the best damn employer that I know of outside of Cadogan in Glenwood, Minnesota, where we where we did, where he was earning money. We had money, like I said. A lot of people don't realize that we had money. That's the whole problem I got with South Dakota is that I had money in Minnesota. I moved to South Dakota. The cost is through the roof. It costs a lot more to live than it did in Minnesota. And we had money in Minnesota. <laughs> so I don't like being without. So that's that lack part again of focusing on that. When you focus on lack, you get more of it. That's why I said, I know most people would kill to have a relationship that I've got with Jeffrey. Most people would, have, would kill to have the amount of children that I have. They're just too busy bitching about all the kids that I got to realize, hey, you know what? That is true. I do wish I had more kids. I wish that I had that ability to parent more. I wish I had that ability that Robin has to keep doing things anyway. I wish I had it. And the truth is you do. You do have that ability. I don't want anybody to be like me. Believe me, I don't. What I do want is I would love to bring an unlimited amount of people to God. That's like my number one goal of everything that I've done. That's like honest truth. That's like what my whole goal, like behind hypnotherapy, behind everything has been, is really to bring people to God because there's so many false teachings out there in the churches and different places. There's so many false teachers. You really got to be careful because I am very Bible-based. In fact, only 6% in the U.S. are actual Bible-based, like strict Bible-based, like this is how we do it. There's not a lot of people that exist that do that. So for me, it's very important because with the way this world is going, I don't know about you, but I've seen the news. It's getting scary. And I'm just thinking to myself, with everything going on, that it won't be long. And people are going to be sitting here wondering, why do we have these problems? It's because traditional stuff didn't work. It's because medications didn't work. You just didn't realize that. And when I say stuff about like people with depression and anxiety and all that, it's not to say anything bad. It's really not. What it is is that it's an excuse that you're not stopping and thinking about 
that you can let go of. It's like people with the thyroid problems. You can let go of that. You don't have to accept it. I mean, seriously, your doctors are not God. You know your body better than any doctor. You know your body better than I do. You know why you created the problems that you created. You just don't know them personally firsthand because your subconscious mind that runs 95% of your autopilot behaviors, your why you're like, why do I have this problem with alcohol? Why do I have this problem with depression? Your subconscious mind knows that. If you learned how to trust your subconscious mind, like I have learned how to trust it, you start to realize you can create anything you want. It's like when I had a person tell me, good luck on trying to get the 15 passenger van, even one, because I can't get alone. I, I can't after my ordeal in Minnesota. That's a true, I can't, um, because I can't get alone. <laughs> um, house was foreclosed on, it's equal to bankruptcy. Seven years, I can't get alone. So I seriously can't on that one. People said, well, why not get a business loan? I can't, because it goes back to literally, I can't, in terms of there is no way physically possible a bank will take a hand to me money because of my foreclosure that I had in my house in Minnesota because of that ordeal with my son, Miracle. I lost a lot of things in Minnesota. I lost money, my first to build house. I lost a lot of my um, friends who were my true family there. I lost the support that I had. I lost the beautiful lakes. My God, I miss the lakes. Um, I lost a lot of things there and the the cheaperness to live it was cheaper to live there i miss all of that and instead i came here to south dakota where there's not all of, there's not there's not all of this and at the time going back almost will be six years this year going back six years this august actually when I left my home in Minnesota 30 days before Jeffrey was to be born via C-section, when I left, the only thing I knew was I had to save his life. I wasn't going to murder him because I'm against murder of unborn babies. I wasn't going to let them bastards take my son like they did miracle. I wasn't going to let anybody take my babies from me because my baby is my reason why I get up out of bed. It goes back to my 16-year-old self. My mom, my sister, my future husband, and my kids. I stay alive for them. To this day, I stay alive for them. One of these days, I'll realize how valuable I am. And I know that I'm pretty valuable. But when I stop and think about all the stuff I've been through, it's like I was doing earlier today. All I was doing was crying because this is the grace that God talks about. When people sit there and say that, why does God let bad people live? It's because I wouldn't exist and neither would you. Because when you actually truly think about all the bad that you have done, that I've done, none of us would exist. But that's the grace of God that comes from this is that even though we screw up many a times, even though we've hurt other people around us, we're unaware of sometimes. It's like all the people that sit there and tell me quit having children. <laughs> I think about that. 
And it's because their own projection, their own perception of their reality tells them because somebody else told them they couldn't do it. And all it takes is one person. That's all it took. And my very first person that I actually believed I could do something in this life was my husband. See, when I met Jeffrey, I was on um, the Bilify, Zoloft, Trelepdal, Lamictal. I was on Valium and one other drug I was on because of doctors. I remember sitting in Dr. Asmussen's office, my psychiatrist had in Alexandria, Minnesota. I remember sitting in his office when I um, got with Jeffrey and I told him I want off these medications. Wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it. Nope, you got to taper off, slowly wean off of them. Then I saw a car accident in 2011. And when I saw that car accident in the city, it was a pretty bad one that I had seen. And when I saw that, I'm like, you know what? These doctors ain't doing shit for me. These medications aren't doing shit. There's something wrong with this. There's always got to be something that, why isn't this working? And 2011 was the very last day, that day, but last year, 2011 was the last year I took any Abilify. All the segments gone. And the last time I took any Xanax, very last time. I took any of that stuff because I decided enough is enough is enough. I'm tired of living in this black hole. I'm tired of other people telling me how to live my life. I'm tired of all of these other people telling me what I needed to do with my life because they couldn't get their own shit together. I'm tired of all of this. And I decided to take care of me. So when I founded Healing for the Soul back in August 2018, it was because once again, I listened to somebody else, small-minded, tell me that I needed to stop having children after I had only just um, three total at that time, two in South Dakota. They wanted me to stop having children. And I realized I'm not going to live my life the way everybody else wants me to live it for them. I'm going to live my life the way I want to for me. I got the money to go to Las Vegas, Nevada to learn about hypnosis training there didn't work out, which is perfectly fine because I found HMI, which was a hell of a lot better. The best damn school for hypnotherapy ever, because not only is it accredited, but it is the most amazing, mind-blowing experience you'll ever have in your entire life. The most bang for your dollar on being able to do what it is that you want to be able to do to realize that you can do anything you put your mind to. And when you have the most amazing hypnotherapist like I do that I learned my skills from, yeah, it's pretty damn amazing. So I want to send you with this message. I've been through a hell of a lot of shit, more than most. The reason why I say it is simply this. There isn't anything that you haven't been through that I don't know somebody else who's been through it or I've been through it myself. You think that you can't get out of that situation that you're in right now. Depression, that's easy because i got a brain injury. I actually have an injury. Like there's things that have actually changed physically. The funny thing is, is that Depression can be changed. There's nothing wrong there, damage-wise. You can undo it. I want to tell you this right now. If you think that you're right on how you're living your life, you're doing things, you will be right. You focus on what you get. 
So whatever you focus on, whatever you put your time and energy on, you're going to get more of. So if you want to focus on the poor me, nothing's going to change. You're going to get more of it. If you want to be like me, where you're like, I can do more, I'm capable of more, then find me, contact me today.